Revelation chapter 18, beginning to read at verse, verse 1. But after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Notice the language of this now. This is God's word sentence. Notice, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Let's pray. Father, We ask you, Lord, that you would now settle our hearts in your presence. May your spirit move among us this evening. Lord, would you reveal the days we're living in and give us wisdom at this time. Give us Holy Ghost boldness in the faith. And we pray, Father, or this night be over if there's one that has come in that has not yet made their calling and election sure by coming to the fruit of the cross, that they would kneel before Christ the Savior, the only Savior. And Lord, that you would save men and women alive for time and for eternity. And we pray, Lord, that men and women's hearts would be open to your word. Father, that which challenges us, we pray that, Lord, we will seek after those things and look them up And Lord, even as the Bereans did according to the scriptures. And we pray, Father, that you would give us all listening ears, give us understanding hearts. And we pray, Lord, that you would now just take this company, Lord, this packed house, and that you, Lord, would now move by your spirit and let men and women know the truth of your scriptures. Because, Lord, it's your word that matters And it's your word that stands, is forever settled in heaven. And so we pray, Lord, let your word be made known to our hearts tonight. Lord, let us not leave here under any illusions of the devil, but let us leave here knowing that our God is still on the throne. And he will remember his own. So in Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Now shut us in with thine own good self. And Lord, now... Lord, manifest your presence within us through the preaching of your own word for Jesus' name's sake and for his glory. Amen. Amen. We have entitled this Brexit a scriptural, spiritual, historical, and prophetical look at the European Union. It's very surprising when you put something like this on, how little preachers are willing to preach this message. It's, it's very surprising how many Christians know very little about what the European Union has 
as and according to the Word of God. Is it even in the Word of God? Just recently I read online, someone had said something along the lines of, well, you know, we are just here as passers through and someone else then happened to say, what does it matter, the European Union, if we're in it or we're out of it? What does the Scriptures tell us? Surely the Scriptures only talk about the Middle East. Is that right? Is that so? Well, then how are we saved? Only but the Scriptures, the Word of God, coming to our nation and our land. Because God, even in our readings, he mentions the nations of the earth. He mentions the nations of the earth who are intoxicated with the fornication of this Babylonian system, who are intoxicated with the fornication of this harlot, this whore that sits upon a beast. Tonight we want to look at it, and I want to say from the outset, I'm not going to give you a lot of facts and figures about money. We will mention some things because Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation 14 right through to 18 speaks of spiritual things of Babylon today. It speaks of material things and, and buying and selling and trading of Babylon today. And it's global. It's worldwide. And it also speaks then of political organizations and also those things that are globalized and worldwide. But we see it manifesting today for us in the European Union. Tonight, I want to, with God's help and God's grace, with your patience, please be patient with me. I know I may say something that will rattle your cage. I may say something that will go against everything you've heard before. I may say something you totally disagree with. That's okay, and you're free to do that. You can be wrong if you want. And, and they may say something. I am jesting, you know. They may say, you may say that, you know, I, I, this is too hard for us. We didn't want to hear this. We're going to look historically through the scriptures from Genesis. The spirit of Antichrist has come right through the nations. We're going to look right through the book of, the, 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 the book of Daniel. And we're going to see the spirit of Antichrist and the nations that are there. We're going to look then back into the book of Revelation. We're going to show you how today in the European Union and the spiritual power behind it and the, all the, the, the false religions of the world, we'll mention some of them, but we will also be mentioning mostly the European Union and the driving force behind it. We will look at all of this, God willing, as time goes. So Brexit simply means Britain's exit from the European Union. It's just a shortened uh, term. It's a Brexit from the EU. It's a hotly contested uh, debate at the minute. The Prime Minister, David Cameron, some weeks ago said Britain would be good to be out of the European Union. And he's right. Now he's saying after he didn't get his way, going cap in hand to Brussels and receiving absolutely nothing of a change for the British people, he comes and says we'd be better staying in the European Union. David, Cam David Cameron changed his mind. I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why. So we want to look at this. David Cameron is now, along with the present Chancellor of the Exchequer, he's now applying fear tactics to the nation. He's applying fear tactics to Britain to tell us if we don't stay in, mostly they're going to tell us that Britain or the United Kingdom, although being the fifth largest economy on the planet, the fifth largest economy on the planet we will not be able to cope outside of the European Union, that Britain will collapse. And he's bringing fear. 
You see, there are two great motivators in life, love and fear. And you can serve and die for love and you can serve and die for fear. And he's trying to cause the British peoples to fear that we cannot cope outside of the European Union. He says the economy will collapse, yet we are the fifth biggest economy on the planet. I'd like to say, Mr. Cameron, I would like to say to, the, to those who are the, in the remain camp tonight and ask the question, collapse? Do you mean to say, is it anything like the sort of collapse that was in the world in 2008 when we were still in working with the European Union? which didn't save us from any worldwide global collapse, that the EU struggled, France was teetering, Spain was wavering, Greece was sinking, the Republic of Ireland was borrowing, Portugal was struggling, Italy was floundering, Germany, under the strain of it, was straining, and Britain was still standing. My brothers and sisters, Britain was still standing, and everyone else was borrowing, off Britain, and Britain was still standing. Yes, we have our problems, and yes, we will have our problems, but this beast of Europe has a spiritual devil. And when they try to cause us to fear, the Bible expressly tells us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Brothers and sisters, let's have a sound mind that our nation as a people needs to return to God. Our nation as a people needs to return to the Bible, the book, the Word of God. Our nation as a people must come out from among her, as our reading says in Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4, that ye, that's you and me, ye be not partakers of her plagues. Now you're going to see her plagues. There's diseases coming into our country that were eradicated years ago. There's diseases coming into our nation, into our country we have never even heard of before. There are diseases coming into our nation and into our country that no one even knows what to do with. Also, we are seeing Islamic extremism and the cell groups all over Britain and Ireland. Just there the other week, it is blamed that seven schools in Ulster were closed down because of them bomb threats. Yes, brothers and sisters, this is what our nation is looking at. We are looking at more, far more. It's a plague. It's a judgment from God because our people have turned their back on God. Now, Ulster is turning its back on God. Britain has turned its back on God. And look at the state of England. England has turned her back on God, her creator. Now, we must look to where we must go, and it's back to the book back to almighty God. Notice this, we will collapse under the financial strain. Mr. Cameron and the Chancellor of Exchequer and the Remain Group is at 350 million per week. Say it again, 350 million per week that Britain plows into the European Union. 10 billion per year to be part of a globalized club. Is this the club that you're saying we cannot afford to leave, Mr. Cameron? Is this the club you're saying that we cannot afford to come out of and that we will collapse when you were all sinking while we were still in it and plowing 10 billion a year into you? I would say that God has it all in charge, that he has it all 
in control. And he has warned his people. Now listen, brethren, sisters, he has warned you and he has warned me. This is a once in a lifetime chance for you and I to break the bonds of this beast. This beast is taken all of our possessions. This beast has taken all of our Christian heritage and our biblical heritage. This beast is bringing in political correctness to the form where we can't even have our own freedom of thought anymore. Where Martin Luther says that my mind is captive to the word of God and we're not allowed it anymore. But I would say to the beast of Europe, to Brussels and to all else involved, our minds are still captive to the word of God and we will stand four square upon his holy and his righteous word. Yes, here we have this beast who is bringing Britain into the full. Notice it will soon take up all of our resources. Our fishing has been damaged to the point 200 miles of British fishing waters are now down to a mere 12. A mere 12. Go around our fishing ports and they're virtually extinct. Our iron is now extinct. Our car sales are now done away with. Everything that we once held dear as British property selling to the world is now being taken from us. Everything has been centralized to government. You know why? Because Brussels owns the government. And Brussels wants to buy and bought the the post office, for example. And all of the railways in Britain, all of those things are bought up by the centralized powers of Europe. Now let me say this, I am not against the European people as in the continent, or our friends across the waters. This is a system I'm against. The, the spiritual system we'll talk about, I'm not against people in general per se, the individual man and woman, either in religions. That is not what we're saying. We're not saying that. We need to let them know the gospel of saving grace in Christ. We need to preach the gospel and reach out to them. So we're not against them by any sort or any means, but we are against the system that's spiritual, that's financial, that's globalization, that is bringing us into a new world order. Now we're against it. I'm against it, and I trust you will be against it. And on that day, on the 23rd of June, you will put your axe where it says, leave, leave the beast of Europe and bring the British peoples out to their destiny in God. Bring the British peoples out to their destiny in God. Revelation chapter 14, please. Will you turn with me? Revelation chapter 14, and let's just read a few verses here. I just want to pick a few out because I would, I would advise you to go and, and read all of these chapters. Mark them down when you go home. Let your eye run down, please, to verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Notice Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, when you read in there, it talks about a mark in the forehead and the hand. And we hear much about um, uh, uh, microchips going under the skin. Now listen, brothers and sisters, there may well be something like that at some point. 
This has already happened whenever those at the Protestant Reformation tried to make them take the right hand of fellowship and the doctrines of Rome, of Romanism in their minds. This has already happened, and you're going to see this same spirit is coming through Europe, and it's, it's secularized in Europe as well. Now, please stay close to me. I want you to hear all that we have to say tonight. Notice, Babylon influences all the nations and the peoples. It's worldwide and it's globalized. Revelation 16 and verse 9, if you'll turn with me, please. Verse 19, pardon me. And that great city was divided into three parts. Now, take note. The great city, Babylon, is divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Now, let me tell you where this is. This is right on the days that we are living in. The three parts are Babylon, the city, is really the three systems of Babylon, political, economical, and of course, spiritual or ecclesiastical. The one word government, one word religion. Now notice this, these three parts it's divided into, and the cities of the nations fell because they were under this Babylon. The cities of the nations fell. Every island fled away. When you go home, read Revelation chapter 16, and you'll read in verse 12, of the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to upset a few theological thinking here because this great river Euphrates is the Euphrates River, as they talk about in Scripture, where Abraham came from and so on, around the Fertile Crescent. That is not the literal river that needs to dry up, as we hear many televangelists say, because an airplane, a rocket, can just fly over it. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's not a sign for the river Euphrates has dried up on almost three or four occasions. The sign is this. The river Euphrates was populated with the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And it dried up after 1917 when General Allenby liberated Jerusalem on the 9th of December that year. He liberated Jerusalem without a shot being fired, without a bomb being dropped. He flew over the by-wing planes of the Air Flying Corps and they dropped leaflets telling the Turks to surrender and that impregnable stronghold of Jerusalem filled with Turkish Muslim Ottoman people, they just dropped down their weapons and came and they fulfilled the scripture as birds flying so the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. That's, right. That's when the river Euphrates dried up, 1917. Now listen, this is important. In 1917, the same year, that was the seven times punishment of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. That seven times punishment brings us up to that same year. I've taught it before. I can't go into it tonight. And whenever that happened, on the exact same year, the devil raised his head for God was liberating Jerusalem. The devil raised his head. And what happened? Communism was born with the Bolshevik revolution and the Khazarian empire started to rise. And and the Bolshevik Revolution, we've seen something like 66 million uh, Christians of some sort or another murdered, killed, and slain. The Bolshevik Revolution, we had Mao Zedong, who was a Chinese student who brought Marxism into China for the Republic of China to take it on as their, their as their governmental laws and rule, and they became a communist nation. And the very people of the Republic of China who fought against it ended up, they had to move to Taiwan. Hence today, America backed Taiwan. That's why that happens. So communism draws up in China. Of course, we have North Korea. 
it rises its head also. And then there's Cambodia, which was Vietnam and so on and so on. All these Chinese nations, or all these, pardon me, Asian nations rise up. And they are known in Revelation 16 that the river Euphrates might be dried up to make, prepare the way for the kings of the east. That's right. Preparing the way for the kings of the east. Already God's word is so true, telling us, get ready, the kings of the east will rise. But first, the river Euphrates will dry up. Now, the river Euphrates dried up. The Ottoman Empire withdrew, became just the nation of Turkey, the Republic of Turkey that we know today. And of course, then, Jerusalem was liberated for the fig tree nation, the Jews, to go to live in uh, Jerusalem. That is the nation that bears leaves, but not national fruit. Not national fruit. Now, I noticed this. On the same year, 1917, in Portugal, there were three little shepherd children and they had visions of Mary. And visions of Mary caused a stir where they started to flock in pilgrimages down into Portugal. And they became known as the lying visions of Fatima. Fatima, Mary, and, Fat- uh, Mary and Fatima is also, listen, because you're going to see this come together. Fatima is also the name of Muhammad's wife. Now take note of this. This is the Antichrist spirit. People talk about the Antichrist is coming. There's no such thing as the, the definite article Antichrist. Antichrist in scripture is a spirit. It's a spirit. And those who deny the deity of Christ, John tells us, they're Antichrist. They're Antichrist. Those who deny the deity of Christ say he is not God's son. He's not divine. He's not human and divine together. Two natures fused but not confused. They say that he is not God in flesh. That is Antichrist. That's Antichrist. Now, whenever we look at this, this spirit is all around the world. Notice this. This city is divided into three parts then. So these beasts are there, these three unclean spirits like frogs have come out of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet in Revelation 16 and verse 13. And verse 14 says, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth, of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. What does he mean to gather to the earth and the kings of the whole world? Kings of the earth means the Roman earth. The Roman earth. The Roman earth was split into three compartments as well. That's Babylon again. It was split in the time of our Lord and so after our Lord. It was split into three parts. And then we have here when it says the whole world means it generated around into all of these nations. They are the spirits of devils working miracles. Now the Bible said that I didn't. You read that in your Bible. I read it in mine. The Bible says that I didn't. So here we have this Babylon, her sins come in remembrance before God, for God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. God is going to destroy Babylon. The city was worldwide. It's political, economical, and it's ecclesiastical. Split into three parts. It's called the New World Order. The New World Order. Revelation 17 we see a woman, Revelation 17, verse 1, and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials 
and talked with me and saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now this isn't literal woman because she's sitting on many waters. In other words, she's sitting across different seas and nations. In other words, she, she is not just a literal woman. She is sitting across uh, seas and nations with whom the kings of the, of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. In other words, the earth has taken her right into them. The earth has feasted on her and fellowship with her and fornicated with her. They, they become close to her. Now I notice this. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. Notice the word wilderness, I may mention it later. Into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of the names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. Having seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of the abomination and filthiness of her fornication and upon her forehead. Notice where they say you'll get a mark. It's a doctrine. Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Notice, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now listen, again, I don't want to upset anyone's theology, but if this is after a certain so-called secret rapture, I would ask you then, how can this woman be drunk with the blood of the saints and of the martyrs of Jesus Christ? In other words, this has been going on throughout time. This has been going on from the saints of ancient Israel. This has been going on right through the church age. This has gone on right through the Reformation. This has gone on right through until Christ returns again. Until Christ returns again. This woman is a harlot, a whore. Notice what Revelation 18 says says now, Revelation 18, this is Babylon's end. This is Babylon's fate. This is what's going to happen to Babylon global, Babylon Europe. Well, how do you marry them? I'm going to show you. This is what is going to happen. And if Britain is in it, they will partake of her plagues and food. They will partake of her judgment as well. Notice Revelation 18 and verse 2. Babylon the great is fallen it's fallen and has become the habitation of devils. Now notice what it says. The Bible says this. And has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird for all nations. There's a global again. All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Then he says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. If I was to tell you, even in this just last week or two, how many people have talked to me about the European Union is not relevant for the Christian today. That's not relevant. It would frighten you. People need to know. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, God said. And even Britain as a nation, they're destroyed, the people of Britain and the UK, for a lack of knowledge. 
It's all they see is pound signs. All they see is euro signs. All they see is what they can get for the here and now. Never mind what God is going to do. Revelation is going to fall. It says it's going to fall and Babylon is going to be destroyed. The one word, political, military, economic, monetary, ecclesiastical, and listen, ecumenical system will come to nothing at the end of it. It brings all the antichrist spirit and systems together. Now, we're going to focus, we're going to focus in on the European Union now. Let's go to Genesis chapter 10. That's my introduction. Genesis chapter 10. Is everybody all right still? Okay, Genesis chapter 10. Let's arrive on down to verse 9, please. Let's go to verse 8. And Cush begot Nimrod. And he began to be a mighty one in the earth. And he was a mighty hunter before Yahweh, or the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Notice that. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Echad, and Calne in the land of Shinar. And out of that land went forth Asher and builded Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Kala. Now we can go on down his lineage here. Let's go to chapter 11. The whole earth, now take note, the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. One language and of one speech. And it came to pass that they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime, had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build a tower, a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the earth. Notice the language of this people now. We're together, let's stick together, let's not separate, we'll be scattered. Notice the language of them. This is humanistic language. This is false religious language. And the Lord came down to see. Praise God, he comes down to see. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men did build it. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will restrain them which they have imagined. It's in their imaginations to do their own will. In other words, to be their own God. To do their own thing. Imagine to do, go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it, the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence, thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Can you see these all together? We're stronger together. Don't trust God. Nimrod's words, he's a mighty hunter before God. The idea is there, it's not that Nimrod was such a great hunter of going out hunting deer and so on. The idea is Nimrod in ancient writings says, and in ancient Jewish writings actually says this, that Nimrod said, adhere not to the ways of Yahweh, but adhere to the laws of Nimrod. And those who would not adhere to the ways of the laws of Nimrod they were executed. 
They were hunted down and he was a tyrant in the face of Yahweh. That's what it means. He was a tyrant to the people and he kept them together through fear. Through fear. And so when God comes, God says, well, I'll sort you out. He comes down and sees a tower that's built, uh, uh, he says, to make it to a city and a tower that's built onto heaven, as it were, a very uh, tall tower. Look at this here. This is a, a, a poster that was the original poster of uh, uh, the European Union. Now, we know it's an artist's impression. This is allegedly the Tower of Babel. Look what they have on it for the European Union. Europe, many tongues, one voice. Look at the stars on it. They have now reverted them around the other way. The stars are the symbol or the sign of the head of Bapomet, the satanic lord of the darkness. Who puts a star on like that? Look at the way they're shaped like a circle and like a sun. You may say I'm exaggerating. Just hold on. Just stay with me. This was their invention. It's not mine. If you will, go with me then to Daniel, please. The book of Daniel chapter 2. So, God has scattered them. There's different nations. There's different people trying to find their way around where uh, the, the, the Lord had scattered them. We now find that Israel has come out of Egypt. They're in the land. And they are divided into two kingdoms. Uh, ten tribes of the northern kingdom of the house of Israel in the north. And the two tribes of, of Judah and Benjamin in the south. And God said that this was from him. And he separated them because he had two different destinies for them. Because there would be two destinies in the earth to bring his glory in the earth. Now at this time, in Daniel chapter 2, please, Israel, and we call the other ones are known as Judah, and that's where we get the name Jew from. Israel are away, taken captive by the Assyrian Shalmaneser. They then assimilate through the nations where God has scattered them westward making their way over toward. Remember I said wilderness. Keep that in your mind. Making their way westward. Now notice this. Judah stroke the Jews are in Babylon. They have been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. We read of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Ezekiel is over in Babylon. We read of all of those things going on over there. Esther stays in Babylon when some come back to rebuild the temple for Jesus to come from in later years. Notice Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he gets his soothsayers and says, tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation. Now, none of them can do that, but the God of heaven that revealeth secrets, Daniel is called the man with the excellent spirit or the Holy Ghost. The spirit of God is upon him and he seeks the Lord and the Lord gives Daniel the dream and the interpretation. Daniel chapter two, we'll look at the interpretation for time's sake. Again, read it all when you go home. Verse 31. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. He says, Thou, O king, sawest, behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head, notice, was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, notice the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces, notice together. Now that's important because this gives the idea that all of these metals, there are traits going right through all of these metals. I'm going to show you them in a moment. 
And that means by the time you get, they might change through metal. By the time they get to the feet of this, the whole trait of it, the spiritual traits of it are the whole way through it. So they're broken together. Christ breaks it all. He breaks the yoke from his people. He breaks the yoke when he comes. Notice this. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces, and they became like the chaff of the summer, threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. Notice, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. Verse 36 says, This is the dream, and we will tell you the interpretation there before the king. Notice what he says to Nebuchadnezzar. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. The God of heaven hath given thee kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Now he goes through the whole uh, interpretation of the dream. But look at the very last of verse 38. He says, Thou, Nebuchadnezzar, art this head of gold. We have an image of this. Thou, Nebuchadnezzar, art this head of gold. He sees a head of gold, which is the Babylonian kingdom. He sees a head, uh, arms and thighs, or arms and chest of brass, which is two arms, which were for the Medes and the Persian kingdom. They are a lesser kingdom spoken of in Daniel chapter 2. He sees bronze or brass midriff, which speaks of Alexander the Great, who then conquers through time and takes over the area and sets up his kingdom as far as India. And then we see the iron, the legs of iron. The legs of iron is the Roman Empire that were there in the Lord Jesus' day and when John was writing the book of Revelation, the Roman earth as we would know it and call it. And then there's feet of iron and clay. Notice the stone that's cut out without hand comes and smashes the image on its feet. And the whole trait of it, when it smashes them, all the trait from the gold, the worship of the gold kingdom in Babylon. Notice the name, in Babylon, is right down through all of these empires that were to come through time. And when the stone kingdom comes, it smashes them, it becomes a mountain in the earth, and then it fills the whole earth. This stone kingdom is something not made. It is something that is not cut out with hands. In other words, not a brick, it's a stone. In other words, it's created. It is the stone kingdom of the second coming of Christ. It's the stone kingdom. It's the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which smashes Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. I hope you're staying with me on this. So let's go on then for a moment. Notice 10 toes on the feet. Part iron, part of clay. Notice the woman when she was riding the beast in the book of Revelation. What did she have? She had seven heads and 10 horns. Seven heads and ten horns. Revelation chapter 18 goes on to tell us that the seven heads are seven hills. The seven heads are seven hills. Kingdom. And the ten horns here we'll find are ten small kingdoms that rise up out of the Roman kingdom. Out of the Roman kingdom. They are linked. Daniel and Revelation are like bookends. Daniel's told to close the book and seal it up till the time comes. Revelation, John has given it in signs to open it up that all who will hear and understand uh, may know the plan of the ages of Almighty God. Now, notice this. Stay with me. When they're in the gold kingdom, Babylon is where Nimrod built his tower. 
Nimrod is in the place of Christ. Nimrod is against God. Anti means in the place of or against God. He becomes God on earth, as it were. He gives himself this august title. And this passes into Babylon and down through all of those kingdoms that you've seen. Whenever we now look at this, when Babylon, the head of gold, is there, Nebuchadnezzar, the Jews or Judah are in Babylon. And those who came out, about 42,000 came out to rebuild the temple. We read Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild the temple in the Jerusalem walls. Only about 42,000 came out and the rest assimilated in with the Babylonians. And when they assimilated in with the Babylonians, they then became crossed with their religions and they brought out what was known as the Babylonian Talmud. And the Babylonian Talmud is a book from hell. It's a wicked book. It's not the Tanakh, the five books of Moses. It is the Babylonian Talmud. When Jesus comes, they are practicing Babylonian Talmudism in the temple. They're practicing it in the streets and the Pharisees are off this line. And he says, you're off your father, the devil. Do you remember the Lord Jesus said that? He sent it to them. And this Babylonian Talmudism has more to do with washing of pots and pans and the outward exterior and all that religious practice that has nothing to do with God at all, but rather has become mongrelized in and through Babylonian worship that has come through the ages. That's why God then came and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70, for they rejected Christ. They rejected the Messiah. Now, that is a trait that then goes on. John tells us when Christ tells us in Revelation chapter 2, and he tells us again in Revelation chapter 3, there are those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Who's he speaking of? They're still in the earth today. They're still in operation in things today. Many of them are holding world banking positions today and family cartels. He says they're saying they're Jews, but they're not. He's saying they are the synagogue of Satan. So all of this antichrist system is not just in one religion. And there's actually Protestant denominations deny the deity of Christ. That's an antichrist spirit. That's an antichrist spirit too. Now notice this. Notice, I told you I'm going to tell you things you might not like. I told you I'm going to tell you things you might not have heard before. But this is the truth. I notice this. In Daniel chapter 2, after it smashes the feet, we're told that Christ sets up his kingdom. And only those who are saved will be in that kingdom. Only those who are trusting in the blood of the Lamb. Only those who are blood washed will be in that kingdom. Saved by grace through faith will be in the kingdom of God. In Daniel 2, the feet were part iron and part clay. So as I said, there were 10 little groupings if you can picture in your mind, uh, with so many pictures to show you, if you can picture this image, this artist's impression of the image that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, and he is the head of gold. If you can picture away over in the east where Babylon is, and if you were to lie him down with his head where Babylon is, and then you'd have the silver where the Medo-Persian came, you could go right over to the brass, the Greece, and then you can go into Italy, which is after Greece, geographically, and that's where the iron is of Rome. And then from there, the iron keeps going on into where Europe is today with feet of iron and clay. So this influence is still there. Now, please stay with me on this. Ten toes, ten little groupings of people come out of the Vandals, the Sueve, 
the Burgundians, the Goths, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, the Franks, the Lombards, the Alamans, and the Heruli, or the Alans. Ten kingdoms who attacked Rome, pagan Rome. Ten kingdoms who were to bring it down. And they take up the region today known as parts of Spain, France, Germany, Austria, and so on, around the outskirts of Italy. And these ten kingdoms arose, and in 476 AD, Rome fell. Here's the thing. Rome, who was right up the Hadrian's Wall in Britain, 16 years before the collapse of the old Roman Empire, 16 years before it, they withdrew their troops from Britain. Britain was not in the fall of that European Union. Is that strange? That God had them set apart that they weren't in the fall of it. So here we have this pagan Roman Empire and it is falling. Will you turn with me to Revelation, please? Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. By the time I'm finished, you're going to be either blew up stuff, you're not in the way you're punched holder board, and, and, you're, and, and you're, you're going to be saying, I'm going to have to get the DVD of that. Well, we're doing a DVD of it when we take us away and putting it together. Revelation chapter 13, please. See, the thing is, people say it's nothing to do with, they, they don't know the scriptures nor, the, nor prophecy if they say that this has got nothing to do with us. Now, notice this, if it's nothing to do with Europe either. Revelation 13, again, here's another toe open and shutter one for you. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. Notice this. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were under the feet of a bear, and his mouth under the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power, and his seat, and great authority. Notice, the dragon, who's the dragon? The dragon is that old serpent called the dragon and Satan. John tells us that, Revelation chapter 12. The dragon gives this seven-hilled area, this seven-headed beast, with a woman on it now. Now he gives it the power. It is the seven hills of Rome. Now notice this. And one sat on one of its heads and were wounded to death. One of the heads, you hear of the deadly wound, don't you? People say, that's going to be Henry Kissinger or that's going to be, that was Adolf Hitler or that was going to be somebody else. And Listen, this deadly wound happened when the pagan Roman emperors ceased to be in existence in 476 A.D. There was a deadly wound. But notice what it says after this. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wandered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Now you notice this language here. This deadly wound is healed. What happened after the deadly wound was healed? In 476 AD, pagan Rome had fallen. Papal Rome arised. Papal Rome arised. That is the the woman on the seven hills of Rome. Do you know in the seven hills of Rome, 
the hell where the Vatican, uh, the, uh, the Vatican is, there's a hell called the hell of Vaticanus. Do you know what that means? The hell of divination. The hell of divination. Now, notice this. The pagan earth became papal earth. The Roman earth, pagan Roman earth became the Holy Roman Empire or the rise of it again. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 7, it says this. Revelation 13 and verse 7. Notice this. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell in the earth shall worship him. Whose names are not written in the book of life. Nalam slain from the foundation of the world. Can I ask you, is your name written in the book of life? Is your name written in the book of life? Are you saved? Are you blood washed? Are you blood bought? Are you Christ's? I take note of this. This is a very important part. Peter, the Roman church says, Roman Catholic church says, was the first pope. I beg to differ. But notice this. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 13. Peter writes, the church that is at Babylon, elect together with you, salute you, and so doth Marcus, my son. That's Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark, who was along with Peter, who took much of the dictates down from him. Notice what he says. The church that is at Babylon. Now either Peter is in Rome at the church where Paul writes the epistle to the Romans. There's no Roman Catholic church at this time. And he's saying the church at Babylon. In other words, this place is Babylon, but we are the elect in it. We are the elect church, or else he's in literal Babylon in the east. We can't have it both ways. So then we have to ask, is it is the Roman Catholic Church Babylon then? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Notice this. I want to show you kingdom traits and the state of spiritual things coming through. I'm going to do this off the top of my head because time's flying. I don't need about four weeks at this. Genesis chapter 10 and the Genesis chapter 11, we have Nimrod building the tower. Nimrod marries a woman called Samaramus. Nimrod and Samaramus are worshipped as gods on the earth. Nimrod dies and Samaramus tells the people that the sun is a representation and a recreation of Nimrod to start worshipping the sun, the S-U-N, the sun in the sky. People start to go into sun worship. Okay, sun worship. Babylon traits are sun worship. Samaramus, she then becomes what is known as a deified moon goddess, the goddess of heaven, otherwise known as the queen of heaven. Hello? The queen of heaven. Samaramus has a baby called Tammuz. Tammuz, she says, is Nimrod reincarnated. And so they have fire on the earth to represent the sun god. And there's fire walking. They burn their children in the fires to Molech. They have holocausts on to Molech. This is where it comes from. And so then we have a satanic trinity. We have um, the woman and the baby being worshipped 
as the queen of heaven and her son, the God-man, Nimrod. That's where mother and child worship has come from. From Nimrod, from Babylon, and right through. Listen, when she died, we are told that she was deified as a star goddess and a moon goddess. That's why you get people wanting to tell you to read you your stars. This is where it comes from, the mystery religions of Babylon, reading your stars. Anybody wants to tell you to read your stars? Tell them you already know your destiny. You're bound for the kingdom of God. You're in Christ. Now, I notice this. Semiramis not only now being deified, but her child Thomas, the incarnate God, has all them still worship the sun. Notice here the Islamic mosque. Can you see that? And you see the sun and the moon there. This is where this is replicated from, from the sun worship. Notice the moon and the star at the top of it. This is Samaramas and Nimrod. This is the sun and the moon goddess. Listen, the swastika, we all know what it looks like. But the swastika, as you can see it, as as though it would be able to turn around, it was actually worshipped as the giver of life. It is meant to be an idea of the sun revolving, rotating across the earth, giving life to all of the earth. And that swastika is not only, uh, we know it by the Nazis in the Second World War, but that swastika, it was uh, also in, it's still in today, Buddhism, and it's in Jainism, and it's in Hinduism. It's all their symbols. They use them freely today. And it is sun worship again. It's the worship of Babylonian mysteries. It's the worship of Nimrod, the sun god. So notice this. She becomes, if you want, known under different names, and even so does Nimrod. Nimrod becomes known as Nimrod Hero. Nimrod Hero. We will worship Nimrod Hero. Hero is where we get our name Hero from. Hero worship is Babylonian. If you have someone as a spiritual leader, and you worship them, you lift them up in the place of Christ. It is anti-Christ spirit. It is hero worship. It is idolatrous before the Lord. Even sports stars or whatever. Let's think about this. Whatever takes the place of Christ. So we have Semiramis, who is the wife of Nimrod, and she is known in other nations or other countries under different names. Remember, they're now scattered. They're moving out. For example, in Egypt, she's known as Osiris. Or you'll hear the word Horus, the god Horus. Representing like a horn and a bull and and the sun in it. That's the Horus symbol. In the Greeks, we have her as Ceres. Ceres. Now listen. Ceres is called by the Greeks the mother of corn. It was around cake offered with her son child, the mother goddess, worshipped by worshipping and a round cake was offered unto her, listen, in the shape of the sun. Does that happen anywhere today? Yes, of course it does. Here's a photograph of it. Come on, brothers and sisters. Yes, it does. Do you want to see another one? I'll show you more. That's the monstrous, the sun god. Christ is in the middle of that. 
that little wafer, the Christ God, is in the middle of it. Worship before taking. You know it's not the real Christ. Notice this. Rome, she is known as Vestus or Venus. She's also known as Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Cupid, draw back your bow, is Nimrod worshipped too to pierce the hearts of those with his doctrine. The hunter before God. That's where this comes from. St. Valentine. Sorry, ladies. 14th of February. Sorry, ladies. This is where it comes from. In Phoenicia, this is where it gets really interesting now. In Phoenicia, she is known as the king's daughter or the goddess Europa. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Let me tell you about Europa. Europa, we're told that uh, Zeus, who is the, the, what's known as the king of the gods in Greek mythology, uh, Zeus was the god who was placed through Nimrod and the Babylonian mysteries in place. Uh, it actually stands for Nimrod when we go right back and trace it back. But Zeus is the one who was in the place of God and against God with all his might. That is Yahweh God, Israel's God, your God and my God. Now in Revelation chapter 2, we have what's known as the church of Pergamos. And Christ writes the letter to the church of Pergamos and he says, I know where Satan's seat is. And Satan's seat, there was a large altar to Zeus in Pergamos, which was in Turkey. And he says, I know where Satan's seat is. You see what happened when we had the kingdoms, the head of gold and the head of arms of, of, of silver. When the silver kingdom came, the mystery priests of the religion of Babylon fled and went to Pergamos. They came to a king called Attalus III. Attalus III was bequeathed the title of Pontifex Maximus from Babylon. And when Atlas III then and his line of his people all faded out and died, before he died, he bequeathed it to the pagan Roman emperors of Pontifex Maximus. It was Satan's seat. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I notice, this God Zeus where Satan's seat is, Zeus in mythology, and this is why they worship this. Zeus disguises himself as a bull. He takes himself to Phoenicia. And in Phoenicia, he takes this beautiful princess, Europa, and puts her on his back. He rides her over to Crete in Greece. He turns into human form again, and he rapes her. She has three children. We can't go into it tonight because time's already way on. There's three children and they become the gods of the underworld. Now, it goes into Greece. This mythology goes into Greece. This is actually a stamp from the election of the European Parliament. And there we have Europa. There we have Zeus the beast. There we have the worship of Nimrod. And it is also the symbol of Semiramis' wife from the Babylonian mysteries. Listen, the word Europa comes from two words. One is Euris, which means wide, wide. And the other one is op from 
optician, optical for eyes to see. And it gives the idea of a bull or a beast which is wide between the eyes. In other words, it means it gives the idea of intelligence with vision, like a cow would stare at you through a gate with two big eyes. It gives the idea that she is the one who is in charge. It means the broad face of the earth. That's what Europe means. Europa became the deified queen of heaven of the broad face of the whole earth. And now Europe is where you and I are, fold in or out. We're still not finished. Stay with me. I know this is long, but I want to finish this. By the time you go home, sure, you get your toast when you go back and you can have your feet up for a, for a time. Get some sleep. Now stay with me. This head that was raised up, Israel, as I told you, the ten kingdoms were scattered west. Revelation 12 talks about a woman with star around her head and the moon at her feet and the sun. And they say, Roman, the Roman Catholic Church says that's the Roman Catholic Church. And some of the Protestants say that's the Protestant Church. It's neither. It's the woman Israel. It's the woman Israel scattered. Remember where we, I told you to mark the word wilderness, where this beast and the woman went? says, went into the wilderness. Why? Because that's where God's people were scattered. When Paul the apostle, when he went to preach the gospel east, the Holy Ghost forbade him and told him to go west. That's where the kingdoms were going. That's where the kingdoms were going, towards Europe. Stay with me here. That's where the gospel went. In Genesis chapter 37, read it when you go home. Joseph has a dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bow down to worship him and his brothers throw him into the pit. Remember? Because Abraham came from the same region where Nineveh was and where the Ur of the Chaldees is, where Babylon was, God called him out of it. Just like he's calling us out of Babylonian Europe. Just like he calls us out of denominationalism that has went apostatized before God. And he calls us out of it. He says, I want you to be a people separated unto me. And so when he calls them out, we're told here uh, that uh, when he calls them out, he was a uh, Abraham was, he was a stargazer, like the rest of them, worshiping the sun and the moon. But God gave him revelation. God called him out of it and showed him the real God of the Bible. Showed him the real creator, God, Yahweh. He was a, he was a stargazer and a moon gazer. They had the zodiac signs and all of this. So when Joseph comes and says, you're all going to bow down before me, he knew what he was speaking about. Because his his grandfather had come out of the Ur of Chaldees. Now, they could have thought, are you backsliding, Joseph? Are you falling away from the living God? So you see, it comes from Genesis 37, where Israel came forth from the loins of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the woman in Revelation chapter 12. We have a photograph, photograph 15, is that 15 maybe? I want to show you something else. Here we have the deified. See this here, these two, these two pictures. Here's Mary with the, the crown of stars around her head. And here she is again over here. She's deified here. See the rays coming from her hands. Uh, this, is, this is Mary taking on this form of Samaramas in the people's minds. It's not Mary literally. She was our Lord's mother. Here we have the cross of Christ with all of the stars. We have the heart of Christ and the pierced heart of Mary. But what is overlooking the cross? but a latter M for Mary to be worshipped. And that's what they've produced. Okay, let's go quickly. 
in 800 AD, we're getting closer, 800 AD, you've done about 4,000 years there. <laughs> in 800, you're right, you've only a, couple of, a few hundred left. In, in 800 AD, uh, Pope Leo III, I'm trying to remember a lot of Charlemagne, because that's Pope Leo III crowned Charlemagne, I'll call him Charlemagne, because that's just the, that's our language, uh, crowned Charlemagne, king of the Franks, he crowned him on Christmas Day, the 25th of December, in the year 800 AD, the Holy Roman Emperor. You can look me up. You can check it out. Call him the Holy Roman Emperor. He was crowned. Listen, remember the iron legs and the iron feet? He was crowned with a crown of iron. Isn't God's word fantastic? He was crowned with a crown of iron, just as God's word says. The last pagan emperor was Romulus Augustus, and the first, what we call a revive, or known as the revived Holy Roman Empire, was Emperor Augustus, in other words, I am God on earth, the August one. Wow. This continues through time. I'm going to race you through a few hundred years. Philip II of Spain, his call was, I am the defender of Catholic Europe. He's the one who sent the Armada to try and win back over Elizabeth I. But God sent his winds. He blew them and he scattered them. He preserved us. Napoleon Bonaparte tried to see him. The Kaiser in World War I. Adolf Hitler in World War II. And after the devastation of two world wars in 1945, the Pope then launches the Christian Democratic Party. In 1950, Men like Jean Monnet and Paul Henry Speck, devout Roman Catholics, launched the European iron, steel, and coal industry. And in their words, it were for a re-Catholicized Europe. Henry Speck, in 1957, received the Charlemagne, the Charlemagne Award, and also the Medal of Freedom by John F. Kennedy. Jean Monnet followed suit and also received, he tried to form, listen to the words, the European, your European Defense Committee, in other words, a European army, but it failed at this time. 1957, the the European Economic Community, the common market as it was known, was, was formed, which is called the Treaty of Rome. 1973, Edward Heath treacherously signs Britain over to the Treaty of Rome's with lies saying there's no threat to Britain's sovereignty. 1990, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, the Soviet bloc enters in. Listen, uh, John Paul II says that half, one lung of Europe was in the Catholicized Europe, and until the Eastern bloc came in, which were mostly of Catholic origin or faith, he says it was the other lung of the Catholicized Europe. And now you can see it opening up. Now you can see it happening. Now you can see it coming in. Now listen, this is not against Roman Catholic people. We have Roman Catholic people come to us and they're saved. We have Protestant people who are saved too, by the way. But we have Roman Catholic people that are saved. This is not, this is a system. This is a system. Okay, 1992, the Maastricht Treaty, which involves EEC. And it it evolves from the EEC into the European Union as we know it. A Dr. Ardenovar and Robert Schumann, I think I've pronounced them right, Founders of the EEC and the Treaty of Rome were canonized by Pope John Paul II. Were canonized by Pope John Paul II. Schumann said, listen, he influenced, 
He was influenced by the book called Spiritual Experiences by Ignatius Loyola, the founder of the Jesuit order. He used to sit and go into trances. So here we have a rundown of where we are at the moment. So the Lisbon Treaty came. Things I've, take, I've written down for you to take note. One, British Parliament is now a virtual powerless borough council of the European Union. Two, Her Majesty the Queen has become just a citizen of Europe while we're in it. Three, the European law is enforced by the European police force called Interpol. They can come and arrest you here, even if you've done nothing because someone thinks it in Europe. Four, the European Union will force upon Britain soon to be part or integrated a United States of Europe. You'll hear it even on the news all the time. They want us to be a United States of Europe, taking away our sovereignty that Edward, he says, we would never lose. Fifthly, the euro, a failing monetary system, will become our own also. Six, the United Kingdom's courts are no longer the final say in our nation and in our land. In fact, just yesterday, I read that, that, that Europe are now looking to take away completely the very Magna Carta. The Magna Carta from our very laws and jurisdiction. They want the Bible removed because it's prophetical, it's biblical, it points to them. Notice this also. Seven, an EU army is now being formed. Britain will no longer take control of its forces, but Brussels will. Yet the Euro bureaucrats hate the gospel. Political correctness, humanism has come into it. Nine, we must take control of our borders, the EU, because they'll tell us who can come to this country and when they can come to this country. Nothing wrong with immigrants coming. But why should we shut the rest of the world out for Europe even? It's even worse when you think about it. There are people around the world who could come and be a blessing to our country too. And 10, we have a commonwealth of nations to trade with. Listen, they have their own flag, the European Union flag. They have their own flag. They want their flag to be your flag. Brothers and sisters, we have a flag. That's their flag. Here's our flag. We have a flag, the Union of Jacob. This Union Jack is our flag. There is none other for us. They can keep their stars and they can keep their flag. We have a flag. Just let that hang around for a moment. Oh, and the liberalized, hippie movementized Christian will come and say, it's horrible, just love one another. Yeah, go learn your Bible and come and tell me what spirit is behind it. The European Union flag with the 12 stars, they take it from Revelation 12 of the woman with the 12 stars who is really Israel robbing it off the glory, saying that this is the stars are the immortality of Mary. She is the assumption. She is lifted into heaven now. She is a co-mediatrix in heaven and she is immortalized with these stars. Do you know the blue flag of, of the European Union comes from what's known as the Blue Army? The Blue Army of, listen, remember I told you earlier in 1917, the land visions of Fatima? The Blue Army of Fatima is where the blue flag comes from. The Blue Army have 
uh, that flag. Listen, the flag was adopted on the 8th of December, 1955. It coincided with the Catholic feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So this flag of the European Union came into power in Europe on the same day of the Immaculate Conception. That's not the same now. The Immaculate Conception is not the same as a virgin girl, a virgin birth. Immaculate Conception means that she was born without sin. There's only one born without sin. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. The EU, the EU has a national anthem. Let me read you a little of it. It's from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony to the tune of Ode to Joy from a man called Friedrich Schiller. It goes like this. Joyful spark of hope and glory, unity with the divine, drunken under fire. Glorious, we approach thy holy shrine. Thy magic will unite forever those nations that were, were not. Every mortal becomes one and your rule shall not be forgotten. EU national anthem. They want to bring in. That's one verse of it. Glorious holy shrine. Who are they speaking of? Samaramas. Nimrod. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what way you're voting. I'm voting leave. I'm voting leave. Can you give me another five minutes? We're finishing. Is that okay? So there are six Brussels bureaucrats. The EU is not a democratic society. It's run by six top cats, fat cats in Brussels. There they are. One of them you'll know as Jean-Paul Juncker. You'll have heard him in the news. The rest of them you'll hardly know them. I haven't time to go through them all. All of them but one are trained in Jesuitry and Jesuit schools. All of them but one. The, co- the Pope today is a Jesuit too, you know that. Jean Claude Juncker, Donald Tusk, Franz Timmermans, Martin Schulz, Mario Draghi, and Frederica Mogherini, all Jesuit school bar one. They are from the European Central Bank. Hello, here's the money coming out of it. From the EU Commission and other branches of it. Listen to what Junker, I'll t- tell you just what Junker said. He says, when it becomes serious, you have to lie. That was one of his quotes. When it becomes serious, you have to lie. Again, he says, introducing the euro, he says, we decided on something. Leave it lying around and wait and see what happens. If no one kicks up a fuss, people, because they don't understand what has been decided, we continue step by step until there's no turning back. Jean-Paul Juncker. Jean-Claude, pardon me, Juncker said that. Brothers and sisters, this is what's happening and we're walking blind into this. Herman van Rompuy, the first president of the European Council said, he declares this, we are all Jesuits. He said that, I didn't. Go check me up on it. We are all Jesuits. Read the Jesuit oath of putting down nations that they'll even become and run down the Catholic Church in order to be in to pull down nations, to pull down people. Go read it, to slay Protestants. You go read that. Revelations 14, 16, 17, and 18 comes global power, wealth, and religion. And we said, this woman, she falls. 
by the power of God. I have so many pictures. Maybe we can just flash through some of them because I will take too long and I'll explain them as they go. Just go one by one, please, if we can. Here is the one before, please, if you don't mind. Here is the poster of Babylon. You recognize this? This is the building of Strasbourg or Brussels in the European Union. Let's see another one. I don't know if you can see this. You might be see it on the DVD when we put it together. This round table we have, the Trilateral Commission. Who's heard of the Trilateral Commission? Who's heard of the Council of Foreign Relations, the United Nations, the Bilderberger Group, the Club of Rome, the Royal Institute of Eternal Affairs? Who's heard of all of these things from America to Europe? This is all coming from this. This is all them grouping together. This is what we're looking at. Is there any more there, please? New World Order. Hello? Freemasonry. Another one? You know who this is? This is Pope Francis with Ban Ki-moon from the United Nations. They're starting to get alliances. Is there another one, please? Oh, look, Angela Merkel. Is there another one? You know who that is? Who knows who that is? That's Jacob Rothschilds. He owns 500 trillion, his family. They are the Jewish bankers of the world. Is there another one? There's the Bilderberger Group. That's another cartel of Jewish bankers too. So those who in Europe say, you know when say Britain is borrowing, who do you borrow from? See, when there's a war and we're, we're, we're so in debt because of wars, who do we borrow from? They fund the both sides of the war, sit back and reap all the benefits and everybody gets killed in the middle and out of that confusion they run the world. Is there another one? Oh, look. This is the Coptic church. Another one. Know who that is? Who knows who that is? That's Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. Throw it out. Throw it out. He is also not only in ecumenizing with Rome, but he is also ecumenizing with the same spirit from Babylon. He's ecumenizing called Chrislam, mixing Christianity and Islam together. Another one. Oh, look, there's the Jews now. Is there another one? Well, there's a whole lot on now. <laughs> look at all the religions there, all represented. Is there another one? Oh, look who that is. Who knows who that is? That's the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. Is there another one? Oh, look. There's all the Pentecostals, aren't we great? <laughs> There's Kenneth Copeland right beside him. Look, they're all charismatics from America. Evangelists, television evangelists, and they're leading people to hell. Is there any more? Oh dear. Hold on to read this. Revelation 17 and 4. The woman was arrayed in scarlet and purple, decked with gold, precious stones and pearls. Oh dear, it's purple and scarlet and decked with gold, pearls. God knows what he's talking about. Is there another one? There is 10 blocks. Remember the 10 toes that were in Europe and I said it goes worldwide? 
This is what the New World Order are doing. They're putting us into 10 different blocks of peoples around the world. You know why? For control and manipulation. That's the 10 block nations. Is there any more? Ah, who knows who that is? That's Saddlin. That's Saladin, the, 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 the Islamic warrior. You'll read about him in Revelation chapter 9, who come with peace like iron. This is them. Any more? Oh, there they are, sun worshippers. Who knows whose flag that is? Turkey. What's happening in Turkey? They're looking to come into the European Union. Isn't that right? Okay, 75 million Muslims. 88 million in the next five countries. Now listen to this, 165 million pounds per year. 165 million per year to help them come in from Britain. That's not counting what they put into Europe. Listen, 640 million to Turkey alone to encourage them. David Cameron wants to give them. David Cameron's a liar. Islamic fundamentalism. Turkey comes in, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and so on. They will come and they're flooding in. They will come across Europe, the Islamization of Europe by means of war. My brothers and sisters, you can see the same spirit working here. This is the spirit of Antichrist. The Lord says, Come out. Come out. Britain, come out. We need to come out. Here's our last one. When Christ returns, the stone kingdom will come. Smashes the image on his feet. My brothers and sisters, if you're not saved, you'll be smashed too and judged at the great white throne judgment seat. And you will be found guilty outside of Calvary in the blood of Christ. Your nationalism, your loyal Ulsterism, your denominationalism, none of it will save you. So matter you come out or not, you must be born again. Saved by grace through faith. May God bless his word to all of our hearts tonight.